There's a story, and you all know that I'm bad with jokes, so please laugh to humor me, okay? There's a story that I heard back in the early 90s. There was, there was three cows out in the field, and they were out there grazing, and a milk truck comes by. And uh, they look and they see, you know, they see this, this milk truck, and, you know, there's cows on this milk truck and, you know, the glass bottles of milk. And, and on the side it said, pasteurized, homogenized, fully fresh. And one cow looked over at the other and says, it sure does make you feel inadequate. <laughs> Did y'all get it? Thank you for laughing. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting better, aren't I? <laughs> Colossians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at something that I feel is, can be life-changing, honestly. And you say, well, every message can be. This one can be if, if we really, really get it. Okay? Uh, and I'm going to give you some principles that relate to how you live and how you make the Christian life work, how it works for you. And so that's kind of what we're going to dig into today as we look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Uh, there's a story in Greek mythology uh, of an ancient young hunter. He was very handsome. And he was known for, for his good looks, and Narcissus was oblivious to others, the story of the myth goes. He scorned, ignored people all around him, and someone angry, angry lashed out at him. Said, he says, may he who loves none other love himself. And that's what he did. He loved himself. And the myth goes that something like a curse fell on Narcissus. He became fixated on his own reflection in the pool of water. He couldn't take his eyes off of, of himself. He gazed in adoration at his own beauty, his magnificence. He was unable to hear his friend Echo's call until eventually he would get closer and closer to the reflection of himself and he fell in the pool of self-infatuation and he drowned. Ours is an age of narcissism. 1970s was called, the people that were born in the 1970s, um, it was called the, the age the, of me. It was a me-centered generation. And I think if there's anything that, that we struggle with in our culture today, it, it is the very fact that we can fall into the pool of self-infatuation. That we are enamored with our own image or our own self. And there's plenty enough advertisements on TV and other things going on around us in a culture that, that reminds us that we are far from adequate. That we are indeed inadequate in so many ways. Um, matter of fact, more than likely, um, you say, well, that's, I'm glad I'm not narcissistic. <clears throat> well, just hang on a second. Let me just ask you, 
if there's a group photo taken and you're in that photo and it's a bad picture of you and you don't like the way you look in it, do you ever ask for a new photo to be taken? Anybody here? Just going to go ahead and try. Okay, we've got one that's confessing right now. Okay? We all do, right? Matter of fact, the first person that you will pick out in a picture is who? There you go. Now you're confessing. It's yourself. And that's true for me, and that's true for you, and it's true for all of us. It is easy for our lives to become self-absorbed. And whether it is on our, in, 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 a, in a vein of aggrandizement, where like narcissists that you look at yourself and you're just like, oh man, I'm the, you know, this is the greatest thing. I'm the greatest one since sliced bread. Or you look at yourself and you say, my life is so miserable. And you're kind of caught in this cycle of misery. And I, I have a tendency to think that more people are caught over in the negative side of self-absorption. But it's still self. And, and so it becomes a cycle that is unbreakable. One side is conceit. The other side is a self-absorption that, that focuses on all the things that you lack. All the things you don't have. All the things that are not right in your life. All the things that are things that, that you will never seemingly attain. And so, as we begin to look at this malady of our age, and particularly of our cultures, and now, I think, particularly with, with, with all the, the gadgets that we have, right at our fingertips, it's even more, we, we're more inclined to become self-absorbed. Let me, let me say this, over observing over 30 years now pastoring, I have found, and let me spin it positively, I have found that the happiest people that I know have, have not been, they're people who are not self-absorbed. Some of the most miserable people that I've met through 30 years have been, have, are caught up in this quagmire of self. Everything centers around their life, either what they have or what they don't have or what they want to attain, their goals, dreams, desires, uh, you know, aspirations. And I, I you know, I'm, I like to set goals. I do that. And it, it, certainly it's important that we take care of ourselves. But there's one thing about taking care of ourselves and being self-absorbed. So we're going to look at this idea of how do you live out of the sufficiency of of Christ the Christian life is impossible for you to live now that's a strong statement but I'm convinced of this the Christian life is something you cannot attain or live out within yourself It's impossible. Well, you say, well, then what's the, what's the hope of it? The, then, how, then what's the use of this? What's the use of us coming together in, in this exercise of worship? What's the use of us trying to, to, do, to do right? And you're saying that, I'm saying that, that 
in essence, we are inadequate to live out the Christian life within ourselves. Matter of fact, as you begin to look at Colossians, Paul gives us four principles that I want to look at this morning. Now, he was writing to Colossian believers, and Colossae was one of these towns that was 100 miles from Ephesus. And, and you know, we think of these Greek and Roman towns as, as kind of being antiquated and so forth. They, these, these folks had, you know, they had, uh, many of them had aqueduct systems, they had running water, they had modern libraries, they had, they had a panoply of gods that you could serve. I mean, there was, and, and there was all the, the niceties of, lux, of luxurious city-states in these, in these little provinces, in these towns, and Colossae was one of them. It, it, was, it was one of those, one of those places that, that, you know, it was 100 miles from Ephesus. Ephesus was one of the bigger cities, but Colossae was one of those places, and there were believers in that area. And there, believers had been drawn to all kinds of different forms of even worship. And here's the temptation. Here was the temptation for a Colossian believer. A Colossian believer in that day and time would say, yes, I've trusted Christ, and we recognize it, that, that he was indeed the Messiah and he saved us. But do you know that you can attain a secret knowledge of God? Yeah, you can have Jesus, but you can have something else as well. Yeah, you can have, you can have the aspects of Christ, but you, have you had some sort of mystical experience that, that uh, was expressed in one of the Greek temples? And there was some writers, some, some writers and some scholars say that there was 44, there's 44 different opinions. Now get this. 44 different opinions as to what the Colossian heresy was. But here's one of the things that, that you can probably conclude. That Paul is saying to the Colossian people that you don't have to add anything to Jesus. You don't have to add self-effort. You don't have to add asceticism, and that is depriving your body. You don't have to add, uh, don't add licentiousness. And there was that group that did that. They said, oh, it doesn't matter what you do in the body. It's divorced from the spirit anyhow. So you just live any way you want to live. There was folks that lived that way. And then you had others that would, would go into the practice of asceticism and say that, and they would abstain from certain foods and they would abstain from marrying and they would do all these other things in order to attain a higher knowledge of God, a secret knowledge of God. And Paul is just saying and reminding Colossian believers, listen, if it's not in Jesus and Jesus alone, it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus and self-help. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, that sounds kind of current, doesn't it? Well, there's nothing new under the sun. So I want you to look with me, and as we look at this, the question is, is Christ sufficient? Well, you can ask it as a question. 
I would rather put an exclamation point on it and say Christ is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. So I want us to look at, at Colossians chapter, um, chapter 2, verses 6. As therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. We're going we're gonna to really dissect those two verses there. And then he goes on to say, Beware to take heed. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit. According to the traditions of men. According to the basic principles of this world. And not according to Christ. Now let me give you the first principle. How is it that you can live out of the sufficiency of Christ? Well, it first comes with recognizing our insufficiency, our inadequacy, our weakness. I want you to think about this. How is it that a person comes to faith? How is it that a person comes to faith? Well, a person comes to faith by recognizing, first of all, that they are separated from God and they're in their sins, they cannot please God. Right off the bat is the recognition that we come to an agreement with God about ourselves and the reality of ourselves is not good. I don't know if anybody here has ever been offended by the gospel, but I was. And here's how it went for me. The gospel in itself points out to our dire need. It's not an add-on to our faith. It points us out to show the reality of our lostness. To show it right in it, and we're faced with it. And so here's how it went for me. When, when I was coming to be enlightened about how lost I was, there was this conversation going on in my head about how good I was. I began to recognize the discrepancies in my own life, in my own thinking, in my own choices, and the reality of my need, and immediately I became offended by what God was doing in my life. And so I argued with God in my mind. It was, I don't think I talked to myself. I talk to myself now, <laughs> out loud. Um, but I didn't talk to myself out loud. But I was, there was this conversation going on inside my brain and inside my heart. And I was trying to convince God that I was just as good as anybody else. And for us, for me, it was in our youth group. I recognized, though, that I was lost. And it took me a while to come to, a, come to a place to agree with God about my condition. About my lostness, about my insufficiency. Now let me just say this. To ever get into a place to live the Christian life, you have to come to a place of how, how, indeed, how desperately are, you are in need of Jesus. And we don't like to hear it. Matter of fact, Paul said it this way. No, Peter said it that to the, to the Jews he was a stumbling block. And to the Greeks the preaching of the gospel, the good news, was foolishness. 
And Paul and Paul could listen. Paul could sit around the table with philosophers and he could he could out philosophize all of them. But he said it was through the foolishness, quote unquote, foolishness of preaching that many find offensive. I'm I'm not surprised that a world today is finds the gospel offensive. It offended me. And anybody that comes to faith in Christ comes to realize that it's not just like turning over a new leaf. No. When you come to the when you come you got to embrace the bad news to embrace the remedy. So he said the, the gospel, he uses the word, Peter used the word, it was scandalous. It was scandalous. The gospel itself was a scandalous gospel. That here, this, if you were living in Jesus' day, this Jewish person who was born from a peasant family claimed to be God and his followers claimed resurrection from the dead and they're, they're now centering their life around this person and for the average person living in Greek or Roman culture of that day, that's like, yes, that just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't. Until you recognize the reality that Jesus Christ comes in the, in the Michael Card song to steal every heart away to himself. And I had a hard time accepting the bad news. I had a really difficult time accepting the bad news. And you know what the, the, my, my difficult time was? was my own morality. My own morality was a barrier between me and my own morality and my way of thinking. Because I was doing the comparison thing. But I was offended by the gospel. Have you been offended by the gospel? I want you to think about it. Seriously. Notice what he says here. The first verse is, As many as have received, as therefore as you have received, Christ Jesus the Lord. Now notice here, Paul uses, he emphatic is emphatic here, he uses three words. So to live in the sufficiency of, of Christ must mean that we must, first of all, we must receive salvation, ordered offered by Christ and realizing that that salvation is a recognition of our sinfulness and our lostness and our darkness of our own heart and our desperate need for God and notice what he said he was Christ Jesus the Lord he was Christ the name Christ denotes denotes Jesus Messiah, his work as Messiah. He was Jesus denoting his humanity. And he is the Lord that denotes his sovereign deity. So we see here, we see here all of all of the essence and nature of who Jesus is in being totally human, yet totally God, 100 percent God and 100 percent human, who come to offer his work of salvation for sinners and Paul embraced this Paul said you know what he said I was the chief of sinners 
I didn't really have anything to brag about, even though I bragged about it when I was when he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and and so forth. He he was a good law keeper. So I'm going to ask you this morning, have you received Christ? Have you been offended by the gospel? Now, it's not my goal to offend you. And some, I, I think some Christians think it's their calling. You know? <laughs> you know? It's, my, it's their calling to... You know, you don't have to... You don't have to... It's not my calling as a preacher to offend you. No, no. It's not. You know, but, but the gospel itself can be offensive. It, it just says that we're, we're not all that. We're not, and we're not. The reality of it is, is there's not one ounce of goodness within me or you or with any of us that merits the salvation that Christ gave and offers to us. So, and how does Jesus say that if you want to come to him, how does it happen? How does it happen? Now, I want you to think about this. We grow up and, and our whole aim in life is to become self-sufficient. I want to become independent. I want to become my own person. I want it my own way. And I want to sing the Sinatra song, I did it my way, you know, that kind of deal. And, and, and Jesus said, if you want to come and have a part in the kingdom of God, now listen to this. Think about how counterintuitive he is to even our own pursuits and our own thinking and our own way of living. Jesus said, if you want to, now get this, if you want to go, come into the kingdom of God, you must come in like a child. Well, what's the deal about a child? Not childish. But as a child, a child is humble. A child is reverent. A child is dependent. A child is looking to the master, is looking to the father. A child recognizes that, that there is a vulnerability and there's the problem in itself. You see, I would rather be self-sufficient and independent rather than dependent and trusting in the sufficiency of someone else. So, Trusting Jesus is like a free fall for eternity. It's saying, I am free falling on, on Christ and I trust that he's going to catch me. I trust that what he did on the cross is sufficient and adequate. And Paul's saying, make no mistake about it, there is nothing that you can add to what he has done that is, has any merit to make you acceptable and loved by God. The fact is, God just loves you and that's period. That's just a period. It's because it's His character to love. So have you received Him? And you may be sitting here this morning or you may be listening online and you say, man, I have really been offended by the gospel. You know, I, I, that's just, I'm just realizing, you know, this conversation that's going on inside of me could be the working of the Holy Spirit that is drawing me to a place of dependence and trust. And, and that threshold of trust is the hard place to step over. And it is. I recognize it. It is. But it, but it comes with great liberty. You know, the... the after I trusted Christ, I'm like, man, it was, that, it was that simple. And there was nothing that I did other than saying, Lord, I'm a sinner and I agree with you about me. And I agree with you about your son and what he did. 
in offering salvation for me, and I receive that. And that's not a work, friends. That's simply receiving a gift that God is giving an offering to you to receive. Have you received that? Well, that's the first step. Now, as, as, you've, been a, as you've been in faith a while, you recognize that, um, that, 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 the, that the Christian life is, you know, a Monday morning kind of thing. That you've got, you've got life to live, and you've got steps to take, and you've got work, and you've got problems, and you've got difficulties, and you've got things that you've got to deal with in life. Notice what he said as he goes on into, into this verse. He says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Say that with me. So walk in him. Kenneth Weiss, who's one of the uh, premier um, New Testament scholars in, in, in language talks about, he, he basically says, this is about our behavior. So this is about our steps. The steps of the good man and a good woman are order, ordered of the Lord. All of a sudden, we, we look at this idea of Jesus being Savior. Yes, we received him as that. Now he wants to walk out his lordship in our life. So here's, here's, the, great, here's the great reality of the Christian life. When you do that free fall on Jesus and you, you bust that heart wide open to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm busting, I, this thing is wide open now to live for you. And I, and I recognize that you are the Lord of my life. And so I'm walking, I'm walking by faith. And, and it all, it's, it's a new adventure. It's a great adventure because what you're trusting is this. The reality is this, is that Jesus says, comes down and says, okay, you, you know, now I've saved you, so you just better do right now. No. He doesn't do it that way. Jesus says, I'll not only save you, but he comes down to live his life through us. Now, most, many Christians, a lot of Christians, many Christians, and, and myself for a long period of time, thought that, okay, he saved me, and now I better do right. And you know what you do after a while of, of that kind of living? What you're doing is this. You're saying, okay, I'm trusting him to save me, but I've got it from here. And so what happens is, they, they go, they're going along their Christian, they're in their Christian life now. They've, yeah, they've, they've, they've moved from death to life. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the same old, same old comes back up again. You know that same old, same old. Huh? That same old, same old that that same old person said to you that, that conjured up those same old feelings that caused you to, to, to run the same old mouth. Okay? I'm preaching now. Okay? You get it? If you got it, say amen. And that's, that's the same old, same old stuff. And all of a sudden, and you said it again, and then you feel bad, and Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then you say, okay, when, how many enough sorries is a sorry enough? All of a sudden, you're, you're hit square on with how inadequate you are, and, and, and at some point in time, that's over and over and over again, you come to the conclusion, you know what, this Christian life's not working for me. And it's true, this version of it is not. But that's not, the, that's not the intended version that God has for you. You see, God doesn't have it like, okay, you're saved, and now you kind of go over here and you better do right and try to do right. And, you know, I tried living and couldn't. I've had people tell me that. I just tried to live it. Yeah, yeah, I know. 
Guess what? I can't either. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and, and if I just described you in all this, just hang on here just a second, okay? Just hang on. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, when you come to the realization that, oh, wait a minute, he wants to be Lord of my tongue. And Lord, now, now that's my struggle, but I'm, I'm recognizing that, that I need a power that I don't have and that is insufficient within myself. So Lord, I'm, I'm like I yielded to you in salvation, I am yielding this area in my thought process, in my thinking, in my living, in my behavior, in what I say. I am yielding this to Christ that the words that I speak would be the words of Christ. Or the words that I choose not to say. Jesus can give you through the power of the Holy Spirit a self-control that is not within yourself. It's outside of you. That comes as you yield to Christ and him and his lordship in your life as you yield to the holy spirit you will yield the fruit of the holy spirit hallelujah that's the christian life friend not that you're living it perfectly but that you're living it yielded and that the steps you take are steps that are showing the fruit of that yieldedness now, here's the third one. So you got principle number one is salvation. If you can get past the offense, the second one is this: the steps and our steps being yielded to the Lordship of Christ. The third one is this one. He says that we are being rooted and grounded and build up and established. Those are strong terms. But I want you to notice the first word he uses. Here's the third point, and that is, and that is this. By living in the strength and vitality of Christ's life. You live in the vitality and the strength of Christ's life. And that's a process. And he says it's like this. It's like the tree that is rooted and, and grounded. That tree has roots. And you know, you, you can't, it's the stuff that you can't see. You know, you look at an apple tree and you say, man, it's a beautiful apple tree. And you look at the fruit of, of the apples on that tree. But if you, if you had a mirror image of the rooting system, the root architecture, you could see that it, it, that it actually expands out three times. Probably the, uh, the height and um, the breadth and depth and height of that tree. There's a whole lot that goes unseen that is more important oftentimes that reveals what's what the fruit that is born, the fruit that is given. And he says that since you have been rooted in Christ, and notice what he says, you have been rooted in Christ. You've received Christ. Your roots are in Him. You have this, you have this vital... You have this vital connection and stream to the nutrients, to the nutrients of glory. The nutrients, the spiritual nutrients and foundation. 
of Christ. You have, you have this immense vitality to draw from. And this reservoir. You see, oftentimes when something happens in our lives, when something comes our way in our life, and, and we, look at, we look at our own resources, we look at all our inadequacies, we look at all of our insufficiencies, and we look at all the things that we don't have, and we just give up. And I think Paul is pointing us to say, listen, look at the rooting system that you have. Look at the establishment that you have. Look at the spiritual foundation of your life. If you're dealing with troubles and difficulties and, and, and you find yourself self-absorbed by them, begin to, begin to shake off that and begin to look at the reality of what you have, the adequacies that you have in the spiritual realm. I mean, is not the God who created and said, let there be light, the God who is indwelling your soul? If He is, say amen. If He is sufficient in salvation, is He not sufficient for your daily need? And the answer is yes. So he says, Paul says, you are, this has already happened. You are, you've been rooted. And the roots are growing down, and it's keeping you, and it, it, it's, it's what's keeping you strong. It's what's keeping you, the, it's the spiritual vitality of your life. It's not what you're doing, it is you, you're abiding. Jesus would say it that way. It is, it is by that abiding, that constant abiding, that there is a growth in the nutrients, spiritual nutrients and strength in your life. And then the winds of adversity blow on your tree. And you know something botanists tell us that, that, that these trees, have this root architecture, these trees, when these storms come, you know what the roots do? The roots kind of go, okay, there's something happening on the earth. There's something happening above us on ground. They're, they're wrapping themselves around each other. And the, listen, the root, the root system is drawing the canopy together to hold the trees up. That's why you need one another, by the way. So he's saying you're established, and then there's something that you build on after that. There's something that you build up. that You, you begin to build up. You begin to build up those spiritual things. Now, those are some things you can do. There's some things that you can do when troubles come in your life, and one of them is not run from God or run from church. But like the tree in the rooting system is, is to cling and, and to, to gather you some Christian friends who will pray with you, who will encourage you. And when you fall into sin or when you fall into something or temptation, you got people around you that, that, uh, that are praying with you and praying for your spiritual vitality and your spiritual strength. They're part of that canopy system for you. You get it? That vitality, now you do all this that establishes you and you do it with Eucharistia, with thanksgiving. It's the same term that we get with, uh, with this idea of communion. You get this with thanksgiving. You give thanks. Now I'm thinking, now where did, I'm looking at that. I'm like, Paul, this is not a thanksgiving message. I looked at that and I'm thinking... Why did he put Thanksgiving in there? Does it, nobody ever thinks like that, do you? I, I look and I question him. Why in the world did he put Thanksgiving in there? 
He's talking about, yeah, he did, didn't he? I'm reading it right, Emma, aren't I? Let's see here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he says, notice here, as you've been taught. In other words, there is a real deep need that we all have for teaching. Do you hear me? You say, well, I just like to feel better. No, we need to think better. And the better that we think, eventually, the better we'll feel. <laughs> eventually. But notice here, he's, he's, he, he goes on, he says, he says, look at this. He said, uh, he, he said with what, what, what I, what's been taught, you know, there's all kinds of teaching going on around you. All kinds of saying, yes, it's Christ plus, it's Christ and, it's Christ plus this over here. Just add this over here. Well, just this. And, Jesus, and he's saying, no, it's about Christ and Christ alone. And he says, do this with thanksgiving. And I'm like, whoa, thanksgiving. Yes, here's why. Here's why I believe. Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you really listening? Paul knows human nature. And human nature is this. Human nature is when, when we get to a place in our life, you know, you, something you want fixed. It's like, I, I, you know, I, okay, I need, I need this and I need Christ now, but I need this over here too. Paul's saying, bank on Christ. He says, being thankful. You see, it's easy to complain. I know you all don't have that problem. You are such good and godly, saintly people. And you, you all need to pray for me. But, and my wife will tell you this, and she's, she's talking to Nancy back there right now, and, and that's what they're doing. They're, they're talking about, you know, they're talking about me. And, and, and <laughs> what's, what are you saying, honey? Now, what was I saying? Complaining. Now, I, I want to tell you something, and I'm just going to confess it, okay? Are you all ready? I, I know. I, I'm not going to hold you as long as we did for homecoming. Because I saw the looks on homecoming. <laughs> I know it was long. I know you endured to the end just for a meal. But um, where was I at again? Complaining, Yes. Thank you. See how forgetful I am? So inadequate. So, complaining. Now, I don't know. I, I find myself getting in these little worried and complaining jags. Anybody here do it? Come on. Come on. Just, just come on. Just, okay. Now, how many real godly people here that that's never you? You know, it's, you know I'm, I'm, it's, I smile all the time. I'd rather be blessed than depressed and that kind of thing, you know. Um, but I mean, sometimes I will get into these little, these little low kind of situations in my own thinking and it just swirls around in me and I kind of feel sorry about me. And all of a sudden I feel like it, eventually I find it, and Teresa will tell you, it comes out in my tongue, you know, it is right there, you know, and, and it feels good for a little while. It does. Like, yeah, I'm 
validated. My feelings are validated. I feel bad, but it feels good feeling bad. That's a good country song, wouldn't it? I feel, feel good feeling bad. <laughs> right? You get it? And then you can find you a song. There's probably a song out there somewhere on radio that kind of you can relate to it, and it kind of reinforces it really good. And you go on down and you sing in your sad song, and you just feel really good feeling sad. And I caught myself here doing this the other day, and I'm thinking, oh, man, what is this? Well, it's the old flesh, Greg. And I'm thinking, something's got to change. I mean, things are going, things are going, you know, decent. I mean, you have, you, you know, you have hot water heaters that go out and you don't get warm showers occasionally. But relatively, my life's pretty good compared to most people in the world. So narcissistic Greg rears his ugly head and looks and says, okay, he looks down and reflects and says, Ugh, I'm not going to fall in that pool, <laughs> you know. Thanksgiving. You know, if you find yourself in 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 if you find yourself dealing with it, and I'm just talking. I, I, I just this is for me and this one other person in this building. I don't know who you are, but if you find yourself like that, sometime um, find you somebody that you can serve. Somebody's got a greater need than you have. And 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 try this. Try Thanksgiving. Begin to. Begin to just thank God. God, I just want to thank you. If, if it's salvation, it's the only thing I can thank for is I'm saved. Well, just then begin there. Thank God, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for, for Christ and for salvation. And you're not going to feel it at first because, you, you know, you're stuck in the other stuff. You're, you're stuck in the quagmire. But, but all of a sudden, if, if you, begin to, you begin to give thanks and you begin to serve, what you will find is this. You will come out of your misery. You will come out of it. And, and thanksgiving is an integral part of it. That's why Paul put it in there. He knew what they were prone to. They were prone to look at their inadequacies, their insufficiencies. And they would say, well, how about you need some secret knowledge from God, like the culture is saying. You need to look at this over here, look at that. He's saying, press into Christ. That's what he's saying. And you do it with thanksgiving. Now, let's go on to the last one. And then I'm closing. Promise. I may give a 20-minute conclusion, but I'm, I will conclude with this one. Now, he said, after all that, he said, be built up or beware. Don't be deceived. Don't let anybody cheat you with all this other stuff. He says, because you are complete in Jesus. You are complete in Christ. Now, there's the last thing. That word, you know what that word literally complete means? I mean, it has, there are several ways that it's translated, but here's one of them. Satisfied. It's, it's satisfied. In other words, the reality for your life to, to have the most satisfying effect or the satisfying experience is to find that is to recognize yes I am I'm not completely all that but he is and so I'm not dependent on me I'm setting my goals high and I'm setting my aspirations high because I've got a big God that's why we shouldn't set our goals too low 
because your God is bigger than your goals. You're not going to set a goal too higher than, that's higher than God, okay? It's just not going to happen. You look at him, the, the, the reality of, the, of it is that you are complete in Jesus. Now some of us, we, we get in this, this, this thing of inadequacy and we just go there, we revel in it. But notice here, change the way you talk about yourself. Lord, I want to thank you. Here's something to be thankful for. Lord, I want to thank you that my life is completely satisfied with you and in you. Satisfied in salvation. It's satisfied in... I, Lord, I want to thank you even right now. And I do. That I have all the adequacy and all the strength in through Christ who is my Lord. You see, it's not about me. It's about Him. And what happens is this, is that He gets glory. All of a sudden, people look at, they'll look at your life and they'll say, man, man, how did, how did that happen? So, well, it was, only, it was only Jesus because it didn't happen through me. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, life begins on taking positive purpose in our life and we begin to pursue and 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 look at glorifying him i'm telling you it is life changing so here's what i would do with this message if i were listening to this if i was sitting in the church there i was listening online here's what i would do i'd say okay what are some of the things that Je that that i felt like the holy spirit was pointing out in my life maybe you're maybe you're at the place of saying you know i'm just uh, I, i've 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 been wrestling in my mind about trusting Christ as Savior and Lord. Maybe today is the day that you say, I'm trusting Him. I'm doing, I'm doing the free fall for God, and I'm going to trust Him. He knows me. He knows everything about me perfectly, completely, and He loves me. And I'm going to trust Him, and He will save me, and He will. For some of you, you're, you're believers, you wrestle, your biggest enemy is yourself. You wrestle with you. You wrestle in your guilt. You wrestle in your shame. You wrestle with your past. You wrestle with what people think. You, you wrestle with fears. You wrestle with worries. You wrestle with all that. And you're wrestling all the time in this pool that is a pool of misery. And it is. And, and then you, you, you reaffirm it verbally with complaining with negativity, and with all these things that in our life. And then, and then all of a sudden we just find ourselves entrenched there in defeat. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. Exactly. So I'm, I think recognizing some of those things, and if I just mentioned one and you recognized it there, you say, okay, I'm just gonna, I can't work on all of them. Man, I've got a big list here to work on. Take one of them. Don't work on all of them. Take one. Just take one. And say, so, okay, what's one step that I can take? Well, okay, I can, get in, I can get in the Scripture and I can begin to see what Jesus says about me and I can become thankful and I'll, I will just read the Scripture and I'll give it back to God and I'll say, okay, Lord, I'm thankful for this, 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 and this that you say about me. That's how you begin. To, and you do that over a period of time. You repeat that daily. You, you begin to integrate that in the way that you think, in the way that you operate, and in the, in the, in, in what you will find is this, is that your choices will change. Your feelings will begin to change. All of a sudden, you'll be happy, and you'll get worried that you're feeling happy. 
because something's waiting right around the corner just to, right? So, now I'm, I am getting, come on, Jeff, come on. Um, I'm getting ready to close. I really am. Another 20 minutes. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, things can become to, to, to change for you. And all of a sudden, it's going to be this, this Christian life. You know what? I, I, at first, it wasn't, it wasn't working, but now I begin to get these little principles, and they're integrated in my life. It takes. Listen, I want to tell you something. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you come to church. I'm glad, glad you're listening. You're very gracious in doing that. But it takes more than that. I'm just telling you, it takes more than that. What you will find is as you begin to integrate this stuff in your life, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, change becomes slow, but it becomes. And you begin on this track of growth. And you, begin, you get on this track of building up. Sometimes it's reclaiming some of the things that we've lost in our life or in our relationships. It, you, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, things begin to turn around within us. And it's life change. Now stand up with me. Let's stand. Father... You know what to do with this message. You know the inadequacy of my words, but you, your, your spirit is, is very in tune to do his work, even in our own weaknesses. So we ask that you would do your work in our lives. For everyone here this morning, for anybody listening online, we ask that you just give us trust and faith to do that. And for some, Lord, here, it may be that they bring some things to the altar today to reaffirm your lordship, to reaffirm the reality of who you are. For some, it may be to receive you as Savior and Lord. Give them faith to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.